Take his mask and shut. I ain't wearing it no more. Y'all look at me like I'm from Mars when I don't wear it in the store. Don't even try to make me put it on or I'm walking out the door. Take his mask and shut. Been shopping in this place for almost 15 years. And I've seen all kinds of viruses, but I've never lived in fear. Now I know that Corona's real and it probably ain't a lot to ask. But I ain't a bank robber and I ain't the Lone Ranger and I don't want to wear this mask. Take this mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. Y'all look at me like I'm the devil when I don't wear it in the store. Don't even try to make me put it on or I'm walking out the door. Take this mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. COVID-19's a real bad dude and they say there ain't no cure. Hydroxychloroquine or a new vaccine, I just can't be sure. Think I'll drink a little shine every morning when I start my day. Might not kill the virus, but it'll give me the courage to say, Take this mask and shove it. Corona needs to be gone. My woman stays home, spends all my money on Amazon. I just want to hug everybody like I did before. So take this plague and shove Taking it no more And take this mask and shut No, honey, I got it right here I told you I was going to put it on It's right here, I'm wearing it I ain't going without it Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist My name's Kurt Wilson I'm the Armchair Survivalist And today is October the 10th in the year 2021 Welcome to the show If you want to find out how to listen to me, all the different uh, apps that you can use to listen to me, I'm on every podcast venue known to man, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Stitcher, uh, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is one of the best uh, apps you can get, one of the best places to go to listen to people. They're very, very professional. And as a matter of fact, that's who I use as my uh, distribution hub. But you can go to armchairsurvivalist.com. You scroll down. Uh, all the way to the bottom, any of the pages are at, at armchairsurvivalist.com, and you can see uh, all about it. You can see all the different places and different ways to listen. There's a phone number you can call in and listen on your phone. It's on satellite. There's even a chat room you can go to and listen there. You don't have to uh, log in or, or be part of the chat. You can just go to that page, and automatically uh, you'll listen. All right, let's get... Uh, Let's get things out of the way. Remember I told you about virtual private networking. You go to any of my pages, armchairsurvivalist.com. On the right-hand side, first banner at the top on the right-hand side, you'll see a VPN service. Go there and find out. I'm going to make a whole a whole site specifically to explain this to you, but it's becoming more and more vital. And you'll find out, unfortunately, usually most people find out the hard way. 
Which brings me to a point. I've had many people ask me, and, and I guarantee you've been asked the same thing. Why don't people pay attention to what the hell's going on? Why don't people do this? Why don't people... Well, let me tell you why humans don't do things. My grandpa was the sheriff of Placerville uh, during the Depression, and nicknamed Hangtown, because he used to hang a bunch of horse thieves there. I know many of you have heard this story before, but you know what? You need to listen to it again and again and again, unfortunately. He used to tell me stories. This this is how I was raised, with parables and stories and that kind of stuff. So Placerville, in the old days, had wood sidewalks. They still do to this day in some parts of the downtown area. So he would get up about 4 a.m. and he'd walk down these sidewalks and, and he'd look to see if there were any drunks there, any dead horses there that need to be cleaned out. You know, if any of the doors had been broken, that kind of stuff, just, just to make sure the day is okay to start. As he comes around this one corner, right in the middle of the sidewalk is this big steaming pile of fresh bear crap. It, it ain't my job, and he walks around it and keeps going. Now, that was Saturday morning, okay? By Saturday afternoon, all the townspeople that were moving around downtown were coming up to the same pile of steaming bear crap, and they're all saying the same thing. Well, that, that's disgusting. That is gross. Oh, my God, somebody ought to do something about it, but it's not my job, and off they'd walk. By the time Monday came around, that steaming pile of fresh bear crap wasn't so fresh, and it was flies and maggots and all kinds of other interesting and and god-awful things crawling around in it. And here comes the mayor walking down the sidewalk, waving at everybody, and he trips and falls face-first in that pile of fresh, steaming bear crap. Well, guess what? It got cleaned up right away. Now, see, the moral of this story is, and unfortunately, humans have to have their face rubbed into crap real hard and right up front personal before they'll actually do anything about it. And, I, you know, you, you'll say, no, that's not true. You Really? Well, let me ask you a question. Which of your neighbors were sick last? People on your left side, people on your right. Which of them uh, has a problem paying bills? Which of them has a kid that can't figure out whether he's male, female, or a, a horsefly? You know what? You don't know what's going on right next door to you. You don't know what's going on somewhere else. I was... I was watching live as the ATF murdered almost 100 people at Waco. And I I heard my friends say, well, they must have done something to deserve that, okay? The problem is we don't know what's going on. And unfortunately, it's easy to be lazy. See, intelligence, like personal integrity, takes the path of least resistance. If you don't have to pay attention, you're not going to, unless you get your face rubbed in it really hard. And that's why... People don't pay attention to this crap. That's why people say, yep, I'm getting right in line with uh, with, with the rest of them uh, to get that shot. Because, well, I, I just heard on news that this is a thing to do. You got to do that. Enough for that. So I've told the story. You know, it's a good thing I did that show on insulation last week because it's cold as hell. I've had to go out and drain out a bunch of different things and, and roll up hoses. And I've got more to do tomorrow. I got all kinds of work to do to prep for winter. And I hope I hope you guys listen to what I said. It's vital. There's going to be a point where you're not going to be able to afford the electricity, if it's even available, if that's what you use for heat. In fact, my show today is going to be on uh, non-electric heating. We'll get to that later. Mountain House Foods in. And speaking of long-term storage foods, I got some bad news for you guys, but I'll get to that in the food section. So I have uh, out of this, I've got, I don't know, 30 buckets left. Mountain House Foods, they'll store 30 to 50 years, about a week's supply of foods in a bucket. You can find it online or you can you can uh, give us a call at 800-753-1981 and we'll be happy to tell you what's going on with it and the cost and the shipping and all that good stuff. I have some ham radios left. 
Guys, it's almost impossible to get things. Gee, you ever hear something called the supply chain? Well, it's really breaking down. I can't get ham radios. You can find onesies and twosies here and there, but that's it. I got four of these left. These are the little handheld ham radios, and they're only 50 bucks. And I think that price is going to double real fast because there's nothing left. I found one on eBay for $75 plus shipping. All right, let's get into the economy. All right, I talked about the Chinese company called Evergrande. Remember in 08 when the, the, the collapse happened, it was with Lehman Brothers. And it was because they were $108 billion in arrears. This Evergrande is over $300 billion. And, that, and we're finding out that doesn't count the hundreds of subsidiaries or other companies that took loans out from Evergrande. There's more companies popping up. Now, at armchairsurvivalist.com, in show notes, on the page, show notes page, you're going to find the links to everything I'm talking about, so you'll be able to follow easily. Another company po- has just popped up that's going to be going down with, uh, with Evergrande. They haven't totally gone bankrupt yet, but they're missing the p- payments on all their loans. And so are all the companies attached to them. Three more after this other one. So there's four totals so far that we know about. This is the key. We don't know about what's attached to Evergrande. This is the thing with the Chinese. This is how they win the war without ever firing a shot. They gain control of everything. And when these go down, when Evergrande goes down, it's going to affect the world. Not just not just Chinese uh, investors, but it's going to affect the world. There's a process known as scraping where you can, if you know how to do this, you can get a program that will go into Facebook. You log into Facebook and you turn this program loose and it scrapes data. People are very stupid. And you have a Facebook page and, hi, my name's Kurt. I live at blankety blank 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 blank. I have four brothers and two sisters. Look at this new gun I just bought. And look at my house. See, look, at there's my front door, there's my back door. And by the way, I'm eating lunch today over at Domino's. Uh, I'll be there at noon. You notice how much private information the idiots are posting on Facebook and other places? Well, 1.5 billion Facebook users have had all of their public uh, public and non-public data scraped. It's it's very well known. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, stupid. And it's not just Facebook that this happens to. It's happened to uh, LinkedIn. It's happened to geez, all of them. All of them. What is there? 500 different social networks? It's a simple thing. You can go on the dark web and just do a search for scraping programs, and you'll find a dozen of them. Twitch is another program, which is interesting. Uh, Now, I play an online game, and what you can do is you can video yourself. It's live streaming, and you live stream on Twitch showing people how how to play the game, any game, and how to do this and how to do that. Well, Twitch is hacked, all of it. Source code's been hacked. This is not a lightweight hack. You know what? In the past six months... Almost everything has been hacked. Microsoft, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, Facebook, Home Depot, Twitch. Just because you've never heard of it doesn't mean that it doesn't make any difference. It has um, millions and millions of people in it that all of their passwords and all of their credit card accounts and everything else has been hacked and stolen. If you have, if you in any way, shape, or form associated with Twitch, you better get in there and get your password changed fast. Eh, I don't know. The source code is the biggest thing, and that is the big worry. Because that source code gives people, hackers, as it were, the ability to access many different programs, all Microsoft. This is the gorilla in the toilet, I'm telling you. This is bad. 
Did you hear about the leak of the offshore data that exposes the financial secrets of the rich and powerful? It's been described as the biggest ever expose of financial secrets and appears to implicate presidents, prime ministers and billionaires. The leaked files have been dubbed the Pandora Papers. International Affairs Editor Dominic Baghorn is here with more details. Dominic. We are used to seeing the super rich hiding their money away offshore. It's a kind of prerogative of the super rich, you might like to say. And uh, for a long time, they've been able to get away with it without being snooped on. And then we've seen sort of one investigation after another looking at what they've been doing. But they, all the investigations so far have been based on leaks from one company. This uh, is based on leaks from 14 companies. And it's, it's a huge net they've cast. And it's it's thrown up some very interesting facts. We've got, if we look at this sort of summary of what the Pandora Papers uh, has been looking at, nearly 12 million, 11.9 million files have been uh, leaked to the investigators, uncovering the hidden assets of 35 current and former world leaders and more than 300 politicians and officials and, and some celebrities in there as well, we understand. And the document's coming from 14 offshore service providers. So those are people working for those offshore service providers, leaking information to these investigators. Um, and you might think that we're talking about Caribbean tax havens, and the classic offshore haven is, is the Caribbean, the Cayman Islands, if, if you like. But uh, one place that seems to be coming up again and again in this investigation is much closer to home. It's London, and despite all the controversy about London being somewhere where ill-gotten gains are parked, it remains the place, according to Pete Jones, from uh, one of the uh, groups investigating this, the Organised Crime and Corruption Reporting Project. London remains a big problem at the heart of it. I think it should be worrying that regulators, uh, law enforcement, are struggling to track down the people who are behind these kinds of schemes. Because they're hidden by the secrecy offered by some of these tax havens, there doesn't really seem to be the political will to track down this dirty money. And instead, you know, it leaves places like London as a kind of open, uh, welcoming venue for that kind of dirty money. And any dirty money compromises the integrity of any economy. Now, you might be wondering who's been singled out for various legal reasons. We can't name too many names, but one of them is uh, the Czech Prime Minister Andrej Babis, uh, who's accused in these investigations of acquiring a 12 million dollar chateau in France on the French Riviera with uh, two swimming pools and a cinema and uh, he's come out fighting tonight on Twitter rejecting the allegations saying the following I have never done anything illegal or wrong but that does not prevent them from trying to denigrate me again and influence the Czech parliamentary election so he is defending himself I think in the days ahead we're going to see more and more names uh, being brought out into the open Kings, uh, politicians, dictators, public officials. I think it's funny that the, the, the foreigners are using the United States as a tax haven. But, you know, the birds of a feather flock together, I guess. So, all right, now we're going out of the economy into the health section. So a hospital system, and when I say system, I have no idea how many hospitals in it, but a hospital system in Colorado says it will not perform operations on many people if they're not vaccinated because they want to protect, quote-unquote, their other uh, uh, patients. You know, for people who are supposed to be so intelligent, not to understand the whole concept of this phony COVID-19 I'm I'm literally astounded that they that they do this this kind of deadly stuff. I'm going to give you another lesson. I learned this in high school. Bullies. When bullies they come up and they push people around, they threaten people, and they they uh, they do all kinds of nasty, evil, uh, annoying things. 
And and they do that all the time. And the reason is, is because nobody kicks their ass on a regular basis. And that's the same thing with uh, authority figures. If for if there was a repercussion for things that they did, they'd stop doing them. So if doctors would would uh, you know doctors tell you that we're, we can't do anything for you because because you're not vaccinated, if they got their ass kicked, I'm sure that they would change their mind. If it happened too many times, I'm sure they would stop saying, "Well, you got to be vaccinated to have a life saving operation." I'm sure a lot of it would change. The problem is that we're too damn civilized. I'm not. And there's a lot of people that are getting really fed up with it. And uh, it's going to go straight downhill from now. There's going to be repercussions to all of these tin horn tyrants out there. These hospital administrators, these doctors, these nurses, Fauci, and everyone who's involved in this massive murder. There's going to be repercussions. Sheep, no matter how docile, will at one point bare their teeth. And strike at whoever is trying to goad them around and into another cage. I've seen it happen, and the same thing with the the sheeple in the United States and the world. They're they're getting fed up, and they're getting fed up to the point where they realize voting doesn't do a damn bit of good. Complaining doesn't do a damn but a bit of good. Well, I can tell you, in France, in front of one of these politicians' house, they built a guillotine, and that I guarantee you. If you don't learn from history, it's bound to repeat itself. The psychotic commies in charge of New York, as a matter of fact, they have a mandate for all health workers, all fire department, all police department to get their uh, to get this uh, shot, this injection. The largest health provider in New York actually fired 1,400 doctors and nurses and staff who said, no, we're not getting the shot. Thousands, and I mean thousands, untold so far, it's just thousands and thousands of New York City teachers have quit because they're not going to get sh- they're not going to get the, the injection. S- other countries are realizing that this is killing people and realizing it now that the the younger population is stupid enough to start getting this this injection. Sweden and Denmark stopped the vaccination on anyone under 30 because they're getting they're they're becoming uh locked up their cardiovascular systems are becoming heavy heavy in platelets and they're locking up and the blood clots are happening and uh, clots in the brain are happening finland is stopping all injections for the for anyone under 30 uh what did i get i got in iceland just stopped yesterday this forced vaccine this forcing of vaccine let me tell you something i don't like the un right many of you in fact most of you don't but guess what? This is illegal via articles in the United Nations. It violates the United Nations Covenant on Human Rights, which we signed. The jabs and the travel restrictions. All right, Article 7. No one shall be subjected to t- torture or to cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment or punishment. In particular, no one shall be subjected without his free consent to medical or scientific experimentation. And this is an experiment. It's an emergency use authorization has not been authorized. And then you got Article 12. Everyone lawfully within the territory of a state shall within that territory have the right to liberty of movement and freedom to choose his residence. What, that, what they're referring to is, show me your papers, please. And this is what they want in the United States. And I mean that, seriously. 
Article 18. Everyone shall have the right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. This is against the restrictions on exercising religion. So I'm hearing all over the place how these communists are saying there is no exemption for religious religious uh, uh, thoughts or anything else. Well, let me tell you something. The, the, the fact has already come out that every single one of these injections has within it particles of aborted fetuses. And I refuse to become part of that. And that's a religious exemption as far as I'm concerned. It shouldn't be. It should be an ethical exemption. And we shouldn't be censored. Article 19, everyone shall have the right to hold opinions without interference. Yeah, that's real simple. So there's a lot of this stuff here, right? This, and I'll have this linked. You'll be able to go look at it. You'll be able to even find the source of it at the United Nations website and download it and print it yourself. The United Nations Human Rights. There's not even a question about this. This Everything that's happening here is illegal, immoral, unethical, and the people will suffer from it. And I'll tell you something. They never hide what they're going to do. You notice that? They're going to tell you right up front. Well, they're not going to tell you. They're not going to put it on the New York Times, but they'll have it on their website. They'll say, yes, we're going to do something to figure out how to kill off as many of you as we possibly can. And in 1981, it was printed. guy named is Jacques Attali. Uh, he he uh, wrote a book, and he was a Bilderberger. And here is one of the quotes. The future will be about finding a way to reduce the population. Of course, we'll not be able to execute people or build camps. We get rid of them by making them believe it is for their own good. We'll find or cause something, a pandemic targeting certain people, a real economic crisis or not, a virus affecting the old or the elderly. It doesn't matter. The weak and the fearful will succumb to it. The stupid will believe in it and ask to be treated. We will have taken care of having panned the treatment, a treatment that will be the solution. The selection of idiots will therefore be done by itself. They will go to the slaughterhouse alone. This is what they think. This is They, they told you what's going to happen. And as you know, and as I have said many times, the communists grab the children to start. The propaganda is easier to push into children because children don't know what's right or wrong yet. They have to be taught. So they can be taught the most evil things. You think your kids are safe in kindergarten? Two, three. I wear a mask to school. I wear a mask to school. Hi ho the Dario, I wear a mask to school. It helps to keep me safe. It helps to keep me safe. Hi ho the Dario, it helps to keep me safe. It keeps my friends safe. It keeps my friends safe. Hi ho the Dario, it keeps my friends safe. Ted Nugent was asked what he uh, thinks about these people who are voluntarily taking this injection. Would you speak to the people who believe it is a worthwhile vaccine and it is saving lives? Are they just dead wrong? Are they been fed a fed line from the federal government? Tim, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to the people that went ahead and got the jab. I speak their language. I would speak to them thusly. They understand that. Well, so all these millions of people that got the shots, they're just stupid? Yep. Now, I'm sure you've heard all of the hogwash backwards and forwards about this uh, ivermectin. Ivermectin. 
It's uh, anti-parasitic that also acts as an antiviral. It was invented a long time ago. It was approved by the FDA in 1986 for uh, application to humans. It's used in in, uh, horses and cattle and goats and pigs to kill parasites. Magically enough, it also kills a coronavirus. Let me tell you what happened in India. On May 7th, in the Indian press, there was released an article by the World Health Organization. It reported thus, Uttar Pradesh is going the last mile to stop COVID-19. Government teams are moving across 97,941 villages in 75 districts over five days in this activity, which will begin May 5th in India's most populous state with a population of 230 million. This activity involves an aggressive house-to-house test and treat program with medicine kits. They went on further to state that after the visit, uh, the the caseload in that precinct, in that uh, state dropped 97%. They were basically COVID-free. So the whole article was blacked out from the Western media. Nobody got any of this stuff. Nobody got any of the information. You actually had to go to whose website to get it yourself or unless you were reading an Indian newspaper. There's a slight problem with this, and this is why there was a blackout. These medicine kits, they had a bunch of different things in it, like zinc, doxycycline, and ivermectin. That's what was in the medicine kits. That's what wiped out COVID-19 in 230 million people in India. And yet you hear all of these pinhead communists, especially the the late night talk show hosts that think they're so cute, talking about how it's a joke that uh, the right wing extremists all want to take horse wormer medicine to to fight off COVID-19. Isn't that a joke? Isn't that a joke? And the newspapers saying the same thing. And Fauci, that piece of lukewarm canine excrement, comes out and says, no, 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 you, it's not been approved. It's, it's not been approved. You, you should never do anything that, like that uh, because it's, it's not been approved. He lies, obviously. And, and that, that's every time you see him talk, he's, he's lying. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a joke. It's real. And unfortunately, people believe this crap. They fall for this crap. And they're continuing to fall for this crap while they die. I... I have personal experience with people taking the shot and then dying. I'm astounded. I, I was raised to use common sense, and everyone who takes the shot is void of common sense. They have justifications. They have reasons. They have threats. Anybody ever comes to me and says, you know what, if you don't take this, this, in, this experimental injection here that's been proven to kill millions of people, and there's over 500,000 adverse events that have occurred within the United States alone, uh, then you're going to lose your job. I'll say, nice knowing you, and I'll walk out the door without a second's hesitation. Yet people will actually make up a reason to stay and get the shot, and then wonder why in a month, on their deathbed, they're going, what did I do? I must have taken my vitamins when I should have. I don't know what's going on. Humans are very stupid. They can't put two and two together. And they're going to die because of it. Because they believe the authority figure that tells them, that tells them you've got to get the shot before you can do anything in life. 
what are you doing? Here to do a little swimming. You gotta wear a life jacket or else you can't come in. No, I'm good. Thank you, though. Life jackets are mandatory. Mandatory to wear a life jacket when you swim? And when you're not swimming, too. Why? Cases of people getting wet are going through the roof. It's a scary time. Put it on. But that doesn't mean they're drowning. People get wet every day. It's part of life. 0.00001182% of all people drown each year. That's practically everybody. So put on a life jacket. That doesn't make any logical sense. I'm not putting one on. I know how to swim. I've had swimming lessons. Oh, swimming lessons? You think those exist? So what? You just think your body has this natural ability to traverse through water in a way that keeps your head up so you can still breathe? Yeah, it's called swimming. Never heard of it. Flotation devices are backed by science. You don't believe in science? I do. It's just, I know how to swim. You're kind of being racist right now. What? Look how his life jacket is keeping him from drowning. He's just standing in shallow water. Put a life jacket on now. You're putting everyone at risk of drowning. How am I putting everyone at risk? Their life jackets won't work unless you have one on. Does his life jacket work? Yes, very well. Then why would he need me to wear a life jacket when his life jacket already works? We have to protect the protected swimmers from the unprotected swimmers. But aren't they already protected? Yes, very well protected. So they should be fine. They would be, except they're not very well protected because of you. You gotta put one on or you can't go in. This feels creepy. Where would I get one? Oh, I'm selling them right here. You're selling life jackets? Yes, of course. So you're demanding that everyone wear a life jacket while you are selling life jackets? Yes, for their protection. And they have to buy the life jacket from you? Indeed. Don't you think that's a conflict of interest? No conflict of interest that I can think of. How much money have you made this year from life jackets? Mm, $27 billion. Seems like you're more interested in making money than keeping people safe from a... You're an anti-science, anti-life jacket, climate change denier. With cases of people getting wet going through the roof, I'm going to need you to buy a life jacket from me and put it on, or else you'll never have access to swimming pools, showers, rain, or drinking water ever again. You're treating me like I'm the enemy. If you're concerned with people drowning, shouldn't you be treating water like it's the danger instead of treating me like I'm the danger? Your body's made up of 70% water, so you're basically a ticking time bomb. Put one on. Buddy, you are the last person I'd want to take direction from. You're so pushy, it's creeping me out. You're like the Harvey Weinstein of life guards. Thank you. Just today, a man up the road died from drowning in a head-on collision car accident because he wasn't wearing his life jacket. Wouldn't he have died from the car accident? A bottle of water was found in the car. Counts as a water death. That doesn't make any sense. God works in mysterious ways, and there is no God, so you'll need to obey me. Oh my God! He's drowning! Help him! Sir, please get out of the pool and put this life jacket on. He can't get out! He's drowning! Grab the edge of the pool! It's right behind you! Just reach for it! No, no, no! It's not an approved method of protection against drowning. It's quite dangerous, actually. Just grab the edge. Do not do that. It's unapproved. For God's sake, just grab the edge. Could we censor him, please? For your protection, do not grab the edge. Help him, your lifeguard. Okay, I will. You should have put a life jacket on while you still had the chance. You're kind of getting what you deserve. Look what you did to him, you monster. This never would have happened if you had a life jacket on. Now put a life jacket on. Okay. Now that you're fully protected, enjoy your swim. Ah, I'll need to see proof that you're wearing a life jacket. Show me your papers. Now, in case you, you have a horse and you want to deworm it, I, I'm going to do a, a just a, a, a public uh, service announcement here. If you have a horse and you want to deworm it, uh, the best thing to use is, is a product called 
Ivermax, I-V-E-R-M-A-X. It's 1.87% Ivermectin. And it's the same exact stuff that's used for humans. It's just put with some apple-flavored paste, that's all. And you can find this. It, it looks like a syringe. It's a paste. And the syringe is plastic, and it's uh, it's the plunger is marked per weight. Because you, you take this per weight. So uh, you'll see. You know, I'm going to have a video. I'm going to post this video on my website that you can link to. Hopefully, it's still up. And you can go there and, and look and see exactly how to uh, how to uh, figure out the dose of it. Now, he doesn't show you how to put it in the horse's mouth, but he explains it very, very clearly. And you buy this stuff at country uh, stores, vet stores, horse equine uh, stores. Let's see, North 40 had it. Tractor Supply had it. If nobody has it on uh, on where you live, then look online and don't go to Amazon or eBay because you'll spend between ten and fifty dollars for a tube. This stuff should be between four to seven dollars max, and you can get it. It's not a prescription. You can buy it. I to test. I just bought half a dozen tubes and had them sent to me because uh, I'm I'm someday I'm going to get a horse and I uh, keep them in the refrigerator. Because that's where you keep anything that, that might go bad, you know, over time. I'm just keeping the refrigerator. So I just wanted to let you all know, you know, I'm not saying you should do it. But I'm saying I got a bunch. Now, I'm not selling us, so don't ask. Now, also, you, you've heard about this pill that's coming up. This pill that's coming up. This this is another savior. It's another 3 to $5 billion profit. Except there's a minor problem with this pill. The pill is made, the drug itself is called Malnupiravir. I can't even pronounce it. Molna, it's M O L N U P, Molnup, I R A V I R. Strangely enough, it was, it was invented to treat horses years ago. And then it was sold to another company who discovered that it's a mutagen. If, if you take it, it will mutate your DNA. You, you understand what I'm saying? It will mutate you. So that company shut it down. And then another company bought it. And another company, now Merck has it. And they're going to come out with this pill. And I am telling you right, if you think that the shot was bad, this is known as a mutagen. Even Wikipedia says it is. So this has been known. But people are stupid. So they're going to go ahead and take this stuff. Do you know, and and, uh, this isn't funny, but this is real. The majority of blacks refuse this injection. Have you any idea why they're one of the few races in the United States that say, hell no? Dear white liberals, 28% of black Americans aged 18 to 44 years old are vaccinated in New York. Meaning, the vaccine passports deny over 72% of the black community their services. Since you think voter ID is racist, you must surely think that vaccine passports are as well. But you don't. Instead, you want to demonize everyone who refuses the COVID-19 vaccine. So let me tell you exactly why the black community is the most resistant to this vaccine. Let's go back to a time when the government decided that the blacks would be used as guinea pigs without their knowledge. From 1932 to 1972, the government conducted the infamous Tuskegee experiment on black men in an attempt to understand the effects of syphilis. Participants were told that they were being treated for bad blood. 
we were lied to. From 1965 to 1966, the government conducted experiments on prisoners, the majority of them being black, to understand the effects of Agent Orange. Prisoners were told that this was simply dermatology research. We were lied to. From 1960 to 1971, the government conducted Cold War radiation experiments on poor black cancer patients in an attempt to gain an understanding on how much radiation the human body could take. Patients were told that this would help cure their cancer. Once again, we were lied to. The list of atrocities and deceit goes on. Yet, white liberals seem to think that they know what's best for us. The truth is, black Americans have authority over our own bodies, not you. We're tired of being controlled, manipulated, and lied to. The bottom line is this. We truly won't know the effects of this vaccine for at least a few years. After all that we've been through, we are allowed to be skeptical. So my question to you, white liberals, is why are you applauding forced vaccinations on those who don't trust it? On those who come from a lineage of trauma due to dark history. I thought Black Lives Matter. All right, we're getting into the uh, food section now. And this news just broke. There is a company called Augustin, Augustin Farms. Now, they they uh, sell long-term storage foods in number 10 cans. They are usually seen at Fred Meyer's, uh, Lucky Stores, Ralph's, Walmart. You go in the door and you'll find somewhere. You'll find Augustin Farms and you can buy them online. Now, Augustin Farms is not even close to being one of the biggest uh, suppliers of, of uh, dehydrated food out there. But they get their ingredients to package their cans from some of the biggest places. Augustin Farms just announced that they're shutting their doors for 90 days. 90 days, okay? Because they, the supply chain is broken down. They can't get the ingredients to put in their cans to fill their orders. I've been telling you. You better buy food. You had better buy food now. I don't care where you get it. We're really at the point where you don't have an option. If it's there, if it's available, you better buy it. Augustin Farms is something that I used to buy for my own personal use. And we were the second largest food supplier in the United States. But I could get them real cheap. I could get their products real cheap. Not now. Whatever's out there is out there. There's no more coming. They're shutting the doors. And this... I don't know if you're going to see this anywhere on the news. This just happened, and this is this is a forerunner of what's coming. So, you know, any of you out there think, just, I swear to God, I get these people every day. They come in here, and they say, in my store in, in Hayden, Idaho, and they say, I've been thinking, thinking about storing some food up. Right? I don't even waste time anymore. I say, you're too late. What do you mean I'm too late? It's too late. First off, you can't buy anything from Mountain House. They're out. I've got it all, whatever's left. Now, you're not going to get it from Augustin Farms either. I don't know who else is going to be shutting their doors for 90 days, quote unquote. Kellogg's, you know Kellogg's, right? They make all this this uh, genetically modified uh, cereals that the kids like to eat. Well, everything that Kellogg's makes is on hold now because everybody went on strike. Isn't that great when you have communism? They can hold you. And blackmail you. And that's what's happening. The unions that work for Kellogg's are shutting them down. They're shut down. Nestle's has decided because they're having a hard time getting products. Now, Nestle's doesn't just make chocolate. Nestle's makes all kinds of meals. 
So now they're experimenting with plant-based shrimp, plant-based shrimp and eggs. I mean, not eggs. It's, it's plants that, that are supposed to look and taste like eggs. You, you know, you guys can go look this stuff up. This is just, this is just, uh, it's disgusting. We, I, I went into, uh, where was this place? Oh, it was Super One Foods here in Coeur d'Alene. And I'm looking at, we're looking at stuff. Now, the food ads come out here on a Wednesday, right? So I, I want some bargains. Well, these bargains aren't bargains now. What, what's a bargain is what it used to cost last year is a bargain now, they, they say. So we're looking in the store and I'm looking at different things. The packages are shrinking. The 12-ounce can of soda now is 8 ounces. I'm not kidding. Not all of them are, but there, enough of them are. And the idea is to, to uh, get you used to it. Smaller packages like uh, bologna. It used to be a pound. You get a pound of bologna. Let's just say for a dollar. Then it went to 12 ounces for a dollar. And now it's 8 ounces for a dollar. That's called shrinkflation. Well, shrinking products and rising prices. Uh, from cereal to soap to paper towels to pretzels, you might have noticed you're not getting as much as you used to at the grocery store. WCCO's Liz Collin digs into why it's happening and shares some tips that will still save you money if you know what to look for. Consumer blogs pointed us to the products. Oatmeal packs of 10 cut to 8 for some varieties. Tuna cans from 7 to 5 ounces. And some family cereals slimming down from 19.3 ounces. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, now at 18.8 ounces. All evidence of what's known as shrinkflation. What does that even mean? It's really a way to conceal higher prices. A marketing professor at the University of St. Thomas, Kim Sobel, says companies have learned how consumers don't like to pay more. We're very deterred by price increases. We'll switch brands. We focus on cost over quantity, cost over quality. Unless you have an old box in your cabinet at home to compare, you might not notice. We check prices every time we shop, but we rarely check weight. Sobel says the world economy continues to struggle with pandemic woes. And if you haven't noticed price hikes, she expects it to be more pronounced soon. The maker of Huggies diapers and Continental toilet paper announced it will charge 4 to 9% more through 2022. And Procter & Gamble, behind products like Gillette razors and Tide detergent, is also looking at price increases. So anytime we start slowing down manufacturing and shipping, while in the U.S. demand for products is high, what we're going to see there is supply not being able to meet demand, and that is a surefire way to have increased prices. Sobel traces shrinkflation back to the 70s. Judging by the history books, she says the changes usually stick. Take orange juice that used to come in half-gallon or 64-ounce containers, or dial soap and that concave shape, a way to give us less and, in some cases, even charge us more. Breyer's ice cream is another good example. What used to be 64 ounces is down to 48 ounces, and the price not only stayed the same, it went up by 25%. Sobel also believes tracking prices and sizes is key spotting a practice that shouldn't be a secret. We'll come to realize that maybe it isn't necessarily devious or sneaky, but necessary. Necessary for business, necessary to keep providing us the products that we want to be able to use. Liz Collin, WCCO 4 News. Our expert says shopping the sales, using coupons and rebates can also help. Buying in bulk can also sometimes work in your favor, but Savile again says be aware of the weight. Now, every week I used to have a, a segment on here from the Ice Age Farmer. He disappeared about a month ago, and he couldn't. I couldn't find him anywhere. He had posted nothing new on YouTube. All the other places, there was he wasn't there. There was nothing going on. He sent me an email and said, uh, "Go listen here, and he, I'll explain it." So I'm giving you the same benefit. 
The reports of my death are greatly exaggerated, I assure you. However, it has been too long since we've spoken, and I regret that. This broadcast and I are under what I can only describe as an attack. My ability to transact financially, my banking has all been uh, attacked. And there's also been numerous media pieces describing Ice Age Fummer, linking them to Q and domestic terrorists, even though I have explicitly put up videos saying that these are traps and not to mess with them. I've had to take some steps, and so today I want to announce that my videos are no longer available on YouTube. They have been delisted. I keep them as unlisted so that the rest of the web that already links to them won't break. But if you go to YouTube and search for them, you will not find them. All of my content remains available at bitshoot.com slash IceAgeFarmer and even on odyssey.com slash at IceAgeFarmer. But it's a no-go on YouTube. You can still find it there from other people posting it, and that's fantastic, but not on my channel anymore. It's, it's important that we really underscore the bottom line of what's going on. And at its absolute core, what that is, is not about food. It's not about vaccines. It's about whether or not you have free will. It's about whether or not you have a soul. Because in the minds of those who seek to rule us, we do not. But don't take it from me. Listen. That if you have enough data and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. In such a situation, the old democratic system stopped functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. The whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. Yeah, those are things of the past. And I'll play the full quote here in a second so you have the context. This is Dr. Yuval Harari, who has given talks at Google and with Mark Zuckerberg and multiple times at the World Economic Forum. Sometimes he has a bit of a mishmash with the singularity, but you, you hear this underlying idea that the idea that humans have a free will or have a soul is no longer in the question. Right now, we rule you. This is a constant theme from technocrats. Indeed, Edward Bernays said, quote, if we understand the mechanism and motives of the group mind, is it not possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without their even knowing about it? He poses it as sort of a rhetorical question, but not anymore. Now, now it is a, a conclusion already. We do control because we are technocrats. We have enough data and enough technology that we know you better than you know yourself. We can make decisions better than you can for your future. And that is the arrogance, the hubris of these people who have taken over and who are telling you, you can't eat what you want to eat anymore. You can't control what goes in your body or even whether or not we modify your DNA. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing. Right. Uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. And if it's not a vaccine, we'll make an edible vaccine and we'll get you that way. They have decided that it is the time to totally take over you and all of society. I've been traveling recently, and one of the things that I've observed everywhere I go is that my journey would, would not have been possible if the laws and all the regulations and restrictions and lockdowns and all of this nonsense, if those were actually in place and being enforced 
my journey would not have happened. It was by virtue of humanity that I was able to travel, be it the lab tech, the border patrol agents who didn't care enough to check the tests or the vaccine requirements, the flight attendants who don't care enough about the, the mask mandates. Everywhere I went, people are sick of this nonsense. They're tired of it. In fact, in California, there's sheriffs writing letters. We don't believe in these mandates and we're not going to enforce them. They have pushed the line so far forward right now. By and large, people are refusing to enforce it. And so what that means is we should ask, what's coming next? If the regulations, if the restrictions are already inhuman, then it will become inhuman enforcement soon. And that is this layer of automation. As the customs agents are replaced by passport checking machines and vaccine passport checking machines, there will be no humanity left there. There will be no border control to say, oh, you left that at home? Go, go ahead. It's fine. I get it. I'm a human. And these rules are dumb anyway. No, we'll be automated out of that. And then the rules will be ironclad. There will be no flight attendant. In fact, throughout that journey, even as I felt the warmth of the humanity that allowed the, the trip to happen, there was this ever-present layer of technology. All of a sudden, the entertainment systems in the, f the seats on the airplanes are watching you. In fact, there were cameras there all along, but now they're turned on, and now they're watching you. And if you take off your mask, it pages the flight attendant to say, hey, the guy in 34B took his mask off. All of these automation systems are going into place that will be, that's what I mean, it will be inhuman enforcement. And this is part of what I mean by the end of humanity. We won't be able to get around this tyranny anymore because the enforcement will be automated. It's the end at that point. And so in response to those who ask, what do you mean, Christian, when you say technic? What is a technocrat? Well, it is these people who believe that if only armed with enough data, with enough technology, the latest science, then we can finally do things right. We can do communism right. We can do capitalism better. You hear these words, right, from Mariana Matsukatu as she calls for climate lockdowns. We'll do capitalism better. We'll reinvent economy. No, this means we're taking over and you don't have a free will. You don't have a soul. You don't have, even own your body anymore. We control everything. So let's listen to that full quote so you understand the context here. But some gov governments and corporations for the first time in history have the power to basically hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, hacking smartphones, hacking bank accounts, but the big story of our era is the ability to hack human beings. And by this I mean that if you have enough data and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves, and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. In such a situation, the old democratic system stopped functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. We need to come to terms with the fact that, no matter again, it, this is where philosophy meets computer science and biology. Free will, a soul, things of the past. What do you think? You think humanity can overcome these challenges? Can we keep our soul? Are you willing to fight for it? Or have we already lost our souls? Are we already in a beast system that will just roll over us 
a boot stomping on the face of humanity for the rest of time. At this point, it's up to you. There can be no leaders in a decentralized revolution, and that's what we need right now. So he went through the same thing that, that I went through for my company, Survival Enterprises. They attacked me. They attacked my financial system, my ability to take funds, except he doesn't have a brick-and-mortar store like I do. So he's only, he's only online, which is uh, sad, but uh, that's the way it is. And online can go disappear. Well, I'm going to be having his reports. He's putting them on different places than he used to. He keeps, he says you can go to IceAgeFarmer.com, but it doesn't load anywhere. I've tried five different browsers and I can't load anything there. So they're, they're shutting him down. There are so many people that are being canceled right and left. I have no idea why I'm still here. <laughs> Other than the fact that, what, 40 or 50 people listen to me every Sunday and that's it, I guess, maybe. But if I if I did any more damage to them than I do now, I'm sure they'd be figuring ways to shut me down also. As a matter of fact, I have his latest broadcast, and he's talking about the energy crisis. You know, people don't understand these things. Most people don't. They don't pay attention to what's going on. The energy crisis... Prices are going up on energy. And what is energy? <clears throat> energy is natural gas. Energy is fuel, oil. Energy is, is oil, uh, gas for a car. It is electricity. And there's a domino effect. And this has all been planned. And this has all been orchestrated. But his latest broadcast, which I'm going to play for you right now, is uh, all about how that is feeding into the food crisis. Now, I didn't have time to edit it. So it is out uh, exactly as he uh, broadcast it oh, a couple days ago. The worldwide energy crisis is escalating, and it's quickly becoming a worldwide food crisis with all the interruptions to food production and processing that are going on almost everywhere. So what I want to do today is make sure that while there is a ton going on in the world, and that's an understatement, it can be easy to get lost in analysis of each of these disparate things instead of stepping back and realizing that Food production is taking huge hits right now from uh, China, where they are literally stopping some of their food processing plants, soybean crushing plants, in an effort just to keep the lights on. Uh, Again, to Europe, where the Dutch greenhouses, which are heated by natural gas, are being shut down. Netherlands being one of the the number two in the world exporter by value of food. So China, of course, is huge production as well. Even in the UK, where they had uh, natural gas prices rise, so they couldn't afford the fertilizer, which, of course, is going to impact yields next season. Also meaning they didn't have the CO2, so they've stopped the slaughter of their uh, animals. You can read here, most of these are affecting uh, smaller producers that are operating at 50% in some cases of their meat production. So we're having huge impacts to grains in China, to greenhouses in Netherlands, to meat in the UK. Uh, This situation is escalating. In fact, in the UK already, they've started warning that the food banks are going to start downsizing the packages that they give to people that are hungry. So this is no longer just a situation where we can see problems on the horizon and we can imagine food prices rising. No, we're already at massive increases to the food prices, even by the UN FAO's own analysis. 
Uh, and of course, when you go to the supermarket, you can experience it there yourself. You feel it. Um, and yet this is only the, the very beginning. We're now looking at a situation where people that can't afford to feed their families will, will be getting shrinking rations from the food banks. So I think this is something that, that bears a conversation today. And that's what I want to talk about. I'm Christian, and this is the Ice Age Farmer Broadcast. And indeed, it's being reported by uh, Bloomberg's chief energy correspondent that as China is having rolling blackouts and problems with their energy supply, Beijing actually took the, I would say, short-sighted step of telling some of their food processing plants, just don't turn off, stop, stop crushing the soybeans, we'll figure out how to feed the animals later and the people later, just keep the lights on right now. This is the same sort of um, a short-sighted decision-making that we saw when Taiwan was having water shortages and said, just shut down the farms. We're going to route that water to the semiconductor factories instead so we can keep churning out the iPhones. It's uh, the kind of analysis and decision-making that only the technocracy could. It, it just doesn't make sense for people living in these areas to stop growing food. What do we need every day? And the only answer is not iPhones. It's food. Unless... You're worried about vaccine passport rollouts. In that case, you would forget the food and focus on the iPhones. And that is, time after time, exactly what these people are doing. Uh, plus, this is not just short-sighted decision-making. I should clarify, this is, in fact, a deliberately engineered attack on our food supply, uh, an attempt to engineer food shortages and uh, to take total control over the food supply. We'll talk about that in a bit. And I'll also talk about why this is not doom and gloom. In fact, what we're seeing here is a confluence of things that will actually get people awake, that is actually going to finally deliver enough pain via the wallet or the shortages of food to get people ready to be thinking creatively about how to respond to the challenges instead of just enduring the constant uh, insults by the system. People are going to finally be uh, awoken from their slumber and some of the conversations that you and I are having about self-sufficient homesteads and forming resilient communities are going to really hit home for people because they're seeing that the system at large is crumbling. And so that's the good news. This is, all of this can be taken as good news when you realize that these systems were working against us from the get-go anyway. They are systems of enslavement, and we're hitting a critical point right now where the enslavement is not complete. It is not yet perfect, but people are waking up. So before we get any further into some of the data today, I just wanted to make sure that uh, I clarify this is not doom and gloom, uh, be afraid of, of all that we're talking about. On the contrary, these are signs that our time is come, that these ideas are uh, ready to grow to fruition. And so indeed, in China, from Bloomberg, pretty clear headlines here, world food costs are at risk of soaring even further as China faces a tough harvest due to the power shortages that have been afflicting them lately. Quote, China is set for a difficult harvest season as a severe energy crunch hurts the outlook for booming production, a development that risks triggering a renewed surge Never mind that we're already at decadal highs for food prices uh, in world agriculture and food prices. Autumn harvest in the top agricultural producer is underway. The number one as the world's number two economy faces power shortages in industrial hubs that are throwing slowing growth. Among the worst hit, of course, naturally, are the northeastern provinces as Jilin, Liaoning, and Heilongjiang, where about half of China's corn and soybeans are grown. Again, we're already at 
really low levels of corn and soybeans. China has already been hoovering them up from anywhere in the world that would sell them to them at record levels over the past 18 months now. And lo and behold, here comes yet another blow to their harvest of corn and soybeans. If you ask me, they already had uh, bad yields this year. We've seen a few different you know, flooding events that have affected corn and soybean yields there anyway. And this may just be a way of shifting the blame to the energy markets and make it a, a crisis that we have caused rather than you know, the natural cycles of climate. But um, whatever the case, it is clearly uh, going on that they don't have energy. So here, a couple days later, global food prices may soar again on the Chinese energy crunch. It's also mirrored in Europe and elsewhere. And that's why this video today is talking about why this is escalating from regional energy problems into a worldwide energy and food crisis. The shortages are unleashing turmoil in the global commodities markets, fueling rallies in everything from fertilizer, because they shut down the factories, to silicon. Without power, China will struggle to handle crops from corn to soy to peanuts to cotton, testing Beijing's plans to boost the nation's agricultural production and guaranteeing food supplies for its 1.4 billion people. In other words, that's at risk now. China is having problems keeping those people fed. Quote, this is going to affect the supply and prices of ag products, which is a matter of importance for the national economy and indeed for people's livelihoods. Yes, several plants were forced to shut down or reduce output to conserve electricity, such as, for example, soybean processors that crush beans to produce meal for animal feed and oil for cooking. And of course, if you've been watching this channel, you're already aware that China's been having trouble feeding their massive number of animals, which in turn feed their people. So here from uh, AgWeb, recently China's wheat imports were hitting a highest in two decades, signaling strong demand for animal feed. Part of the reason they started importing wheat was because they reformulated after they were having sh shortages of corn and soy. So you can see that these problems aren't resolving. All right, we shifted over to wheat and started hoovering that up. But even even as a stopgap measure, now we don't have corn and soybeans coming out because the harvest is failing. So there is no light at the end of the tunnel for the Chinese production. Neither is there in Europe. So let's look at the UK where, you know, yesterday the military was finally called in to resolve the fuel shortage, uh, which is being attributed to the lack of lorry drivers, of HGV drivers. Uh, and so the army went out there with their, with their gas, but it may be too little too late. And not only that, the prices of energy um, commodities are still rising. Uh, yesterday, Algeria announced that they'll be shutting down yet another pipeline heading into Spain. So uh, this is not a blip on the spot price that's gonna come back down. In fact, you can see some of the charts. And again, what I wanted to highlight here, quote, small, it is smaller European meat suppliers. It's not the big ag companies, right? It's not huge multinational corporations that are being affected. I and mean, of course they're affected, but they're not the ones that are gonna go out of business, which would be a great thing. And we could go back to a distributed, decentralized, uh, grassroots style food supply where you just buy from your neighbor or the rancher down the road, which is what we should all be doing anyway. No, it's that these smaller producers are being the most affected by the disrupted supplies of CO2 in Europe. So this is a perfect uh, mechanism to shut down smaller producers and take even tighter control over that protein market. Uh, a lot of these things also, you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's so much going on. The supply chain chaos is also escalating. We've seen now there's like 70 boats off the ports 
on the west coast of the U.S. Uh, it is effectively siege warfare, nothing coming in, nothing going out. And uh, that is not showing any signs of letting up. Here from Zero Hedge, global supply chain crisis is going to last until 2023. No signs, again, no light at the end of the tunnel, just a cascading series of failures as things are getting worse and worse. Again, this is the data. This isn't the doom porn conclusion. I do think things are going to get better for humanity if we use it, if we spread awareness of this data and use it to respond to it intelligent ways. Again, return to decentralized production. Here's that article about 50%. I wanted to get back to the, the greenhouses in the Netherlands because, like I said, they are the number two exporter by value, not by volume, of food products uh, in the world. And that produce that is grown in greenhouses there in the Netherlands, which are immense, that's 10,000 hectares, that's 25,000 acres, it's the size of Paris, equivalent in these indoor greenhouses, which are now being shut down. So here from Bloomberg, skyrocketing power prices are forcing the vast network of Dutch glasshouses, the continent's biggest, to go dark or scale back their operations, threatening to cut supplies at Europe's fruit and vegetable stalls. The Netherlands is the world's second largest exporter of food by value, thanks to these uh, greenhouses, making the country one of Europe's key suppliers of fresh produce. So the meat industry is cutting down to 50%. We'll read down here that they've already started shutting down some of their production. Energy accounts for 30% of the costs for most of these greenhouse crops. And a large portion of the gas supplies are purchased at spot prices. In other words, they didn't buy it in advance so that they could weather a storm like this. They're buying it every moment to moment based on the current market prices. And when those market prices are going parabolic, they have no. They can't do it. Right? It, it ceases to be economically feasible to grow vegetables in greenhouses in the Netherlands. Go figure. Um, but that's you know that's where our food supply for Europe is currently coming from. So here's one example that I think is important: a tomato grower uh, that's producing about 40 million kilos. That's 80 million pounds. It's stunning of tomatoes per year. Greenhouses are already turning off. The bulk of their harvest is raised indoors. Normally, all the lights are used to sun the vines, but this year they're only running at again at 50 percent to 80 percent. So the meat is being scaled back by half. The vegetables is scaled back by 50 to 80%, but every day more. Eventually, we're going to produce less tomatoes and less vegetables. That's already starting now. Starting now, production is cut by about 10%. That may go to 10, 20%. It may get even worse if the gas prices don't come because they're still shutting down more gas lines. Uh, eventually, customers are going to start paying more. Again, with food prices already at quite uh, high levels, this doesn't bode well. Not to be outdone by the UK, the Netherlands is also working on shutting down their meat production. Here's an article from nrc.nl, which I'll translate here. You can see that the cabinet has uh, created plans to literally to just take farms away from people. So I had covered, I'll come back to this in a second, I had covered early this year, this is back in March, that uh, the Netherlands had started purchasing to the tune of, here it is, of $700,000 each, pig rights from farmers which means once you take this lump sum payment, you will no longer be able to farm pigs. You've sold your pig rights. I made the case in this video, and I still, I still maintain that you can't sell pig rights. This is an innate right that we have to produce our own food. But they have apparently moved on from that in the Netherlands. Anyway, I guess they, sold the, they bought up the pig rights from all the farmers who were willing to take that bribe. And now they've moved on to uh, just, just take it. Just take it away. In fact, they even say down here, the, 
These new plans point to a rigorously different approach in which coercion is no longer taboo. And that is a key phrase here. You know, I spoke with Dr. Frédéric Lebrun about how the UN uh, World Food System Summit had a series of escalating steps where we'll, we'll raise taxes, we'll make it a social taboo to eat meat akin to smoking, and, uh, and then they would gradually increase these policy decisions and ratchet up the tension to get rid of meat altogether. And you can see that now. They've already escalated to just take away the pigs, just shut them down. It's coercion. It's no longer taboo. We tried to buy them out six months ago, and those that didn't, forget it. Now it's just illegal. Now we're going to come take your farms from you. So this is stunning, the escalation of how uh, the, the, the world food supply is being shut down deliberately by governments. And the Netherlands is not alone in doing this. In Ireland, their 2020 annual review created by their Climate Change Advisory Council said in no uncertain terms, the council, quote, the council reiterates its view, the total number of cattle exceeds a sustainable level. We have too many cows in Ireland. We got to shut them down. The sustainable level of numbers is not static. It may increase if we have technology innovations, but it also may decrease as a result of lower carrying capacity due to climate change. So if climate change keeps happening, we'll have to kill off more of our cows. This is, it is stunning the extent to which they are telegraphing their plans to shut down meat and acting on them rapidly. But they, but they told us that, right? They told us this was the decade of change, uh, a, a rapid um, series of, of things leading up to 2030, where they will reinvent the world food supply, transform from farm to fork uh, everything that we know about where we get food and, and from whom. And it will be big corporations, in their view, that come out ahead. I mentioned there have been some cyber attacks. These are not at the same scale as the energy crises uh, in terms of impact to our food supply. But it is worth noting that Klaus Schwab's cyber pandemic has started to meet up with these engineered food shortages. And, you know, this is the best way of understanding it is it is just yet another throttle on the food supply. So through the supply chains, through the, uh, the fertilizer shortages and the energy crisis, they can literally dial in energy prices wherever they want to dictate and watch how the system responds, how many farmers sell out their rights, how many people shut down their operations because versus try and figure out how to handle it uh, and use all of this data as a near-perfect throttle on food production. F. William Ingdahl, who uh, wrote Seeds of Destruction, one of the first great books about the use of our food supply as a, a vector for attacking the population, uh, has come out a couple days ago with this new piece, Farm to Fork, How the EU and the Davos Cabal Plan to Control Agriculture. And he goes through a lot of fantastic data. Mo most of it we've looked at in this channel in the past. But, uh, but it still bears repeating. That is what's going on here. Quote, we need to redesign, this is from them, our food systems, which today account for nearly a third of global greenhouse gases. So yeah, it's the cow farts. Blame global warming. We can't do farming and ranching anymore. You have to eat fake lab meat now. That's, that's the whole uh, line that they're using right now. It consumes natural resources to farm. We're losing biodiversity loss, and it's not good for people. All of these things, these are UN SDG, Sustainable Development Goals, right? They just enumerate them to make it clear. They're, they're saying, hey, this is, this is our agenda here. What's the solution to this? Quote, new technologies and scientific discoveries combined with increasing public awareness and demand for sustainable food will benefit all stakeholders. And that means the lab-grown meat, the, uh, all of these things. 
How are they going to do it? Well, they're going to force farmers to go bankrupt by demanding new costly inputs like the energy rising ridiculously, like the fertilizer, stop the production of that, like the supply chain. You're not able to get your, your goods where you need them or your inputs when you need them. And radical new genetic manipulated patent plants with unproven safety. And indeed, that is another thing that's going into overdrive right now. We just read a few days ago that the UK is going to be relaxing their rules on GMO crops. In other words, they're going to say, you can do it now. Uh, The the article uh, described how they used to be a $10,000 trial, uh, but they're just waiving that now. And pretty soon you'll be able to introduce GMO crops just as you are with any other heirloom variety. It's just disgusting how they're uh, defiling our food supply. And that is not going to stop. We're already, we've spoken in the past about the use of uh, food vaccines. And in, indeed, here from the Jerusalem Post, of all places, uh, UC Riverside scientists think that you can grow COVID-19 vaccine lettuce. We're going to figure out how to do this and hopefully even give it to people to grow in their gardens so you can grow entire fields of COVID-19 vaccines and eat it. And of course, Bill and Melinda Gates only a few days ago also announced another near billion dollars over the next five years to address global nutrition. It is as if they see these food crises or they have perhaps planned these food crises along with For example, George Soros and John Podesta, who ran the food chain reaction game back in 2005, which for uh, 15 rather, which foresaw this food crisis and the need for meat taxes and uh, carbon taxes to get a, and of course a global government to make sure that pesky nationalists didn't cut off their exports and and uh, exacerbate future crises, which is the exact, of course, more globalization, the exact opposite of the real solution, which is to reverse this trend, to decentralize. We don't want to fail forward into even more technology and even more centralized control. No, no, no. We need to go back to where we're all growing our own food and where I have one variety and my neighbor has another variety and maybe mine didn't make it, but that's fine because his did. And we'll work together like humans always have. And as I said at the top, This isn't all bad news. I think there's good news in here, and that is that people are going to be experiencing a tremendous amount of pain over the coming months with these energy prices, especially if the lights go off in Europe during a cold winter, if the shelves are empty. People are going to be willing to listen to you and hear ideas that they would not have been receptive to before. Moving into communities, growing food yourself, this was totally unattractive to some people. They just wasn't on their radar last year. And I assure you, many people are now fertile ground, so to speak, for these kinds of ideas. They see the system failing. They're experiencing the increased costs. They're going to have pain in front of them. And it is now that we need to take all the stuff we've talked about for the last few years, the indoor growing, aquaponics, whatever it is that you have been uh, employing your own tools and skills. You've seen the interviews with Marjorie uh, Wildcraft about how to grow a lot of food in a small amount of space. We've talked to Gabe Brown about regenerative practices and soil health. We spoke at length about permaculture practices and how to cycle nutrients through your homestead to make sure you create abundance wherever you are and feed your family and not be dependent on these power grids. 
and on these uh, faltering supply chains. And those are the ideas that we need to be, you know, not just practicing, but preaching right now. And of course, if you're practicing them, then that's probably the best way to preach it because they're going to see you. They're going to see that you still have food, that you're warm over there because you've got your alpaca blankets, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, and they're going to say, wow, that's, that's a lot better than sitting alone in an apartment without food or heat. Maybe I should be doing that, that too. Right? So it's really a coming of age for some of these ideas right now. Do not look at this data, at this headlines, and get sucked into fear. It, just does, it doesn't help. You're stuck there. You can't get blood to the rest of your brain when you're stuck in your brain stem. Right? We've all heard these things, and it's true. And so this has never been a broadcast to spread fear. It is spreading awareness of the challenges which even to this day, I don't think enough people are talking about the food supply, which is the main vector of attack that these elites have planned to take total control. It's not about fearing that. It's about identifying that as a weakness for most people and then fixing that and getting back to a point where they will not be able to corner humanity by turning off the power, turning off the food. No, it's not going to happen. There are too many of us that see what's going on and are taking steps to make sure that we are positioned to endure it. Now we're going to get into the liberal psychosis. If you lie to the government, they'll put you in prison. But when they lie to all of us, it's called being a politician. You think taking guns away will save our kids from the killings? But your pro-choice abortion kills way more children. If America's so terrible and racist, it probably isn't safe to encourage immigration. Just saying, all the contradictions are embarrassing. You know who hates America the most? Americans. Trigger warnings used to be on TV for seizures. And now they're everywhere to protect millennials' feelings. He, she, his him, hers, them, they screw up pronouns Cause everyone's a retard these days Here I'm preaching at the protest that hatred's the problem But hating straight men, white folks, and Christians is common Coca-Cola telling people they should be less white They preach intolerance, but if you disagree, they fight There's a race war here, elections based on fear Black lives only matter once every four years Soldiers died for this country and every one of us benefits Give welfare to the bums and forget about the veterans Black folks and white folks divided by the news But we are all the same, we are red, white, and blue Ashamed to be American Okay, that's cool. Cause honestly, we are all ashamed of you too. Y'all are so fake. Oh no. The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes. Whoa. You can make us see it your way. No way. Gasoline and growth. More flames. Oh no. No more snowflakes. Well, just real quick here. The Aust- because the Austin Police Department, and this is in the great state of Texas that's been taken over by pure communists, uh, they're no longer going to respond unless your life is, is at stake. If you call in and say, I, I was just robbed, doors busted open, and they took all my crap, dispatcher will say, well, uh, is anybody there right now? And you say, no, they're gone. Well, then we can do nothing about it. We'll just I'll just make a note here that you're filing a report. And that's what you pay your taxes for, right? Well, this is what happens when you have a bunch of communists who are openly pushing for the destruction of law enforcement in the United States. This this uh, uh, defunding is a joke. It's not real. They don't mean defunding. They mean taking away all funding. They want no law enforcement whatsoever in the United States, which is fine as long as they issue everybody concealed carry permits. I don't mind a bit. It's like up here in Idaho. We don't really give a damn if the police are here or not. I can do better forensics than most of the law enforcement in the state anyway. So, uh, you know, if there's a problem, we don't really dial 911. We just take care of it. 
And up in the hills here, they use the three S's. Shoot, shovel, and shut up. They got a problem with a wolf? Well, that thing just disappears. And then it ends up about 10 feet down. Just to make sure that nothing, no bears get to it or what have you. So anyway, but I want to read you something. I was perusing a rabbit hole. And I come across this this uh, this website talking about the philosophy of liberty. And I wanted to play the, the uh, link that was there. Unfortunately, one of the problems you have with all of these new people who come up and they want to do YouTube videos or, or all kinds of different videos or have a podcast, they don't know how to mix. They don't know how to produce their, their sounds properly. So you have this guy who is saying something really important. Unfortunately, he's at a level 8 and his music's at a level 10, so you can't hear it. So what I had to have Angie do is transpose this so that I can read it to you. And it's talking about the philosophy of liberty. And we hear this all the time. And this flies directly in the face of socialism and communism. And this is why you can't have the two together. The philosophy of liberty is based on the principle of self-ownership. You own your life. To deny this is to imply that another person has a higher claim on your life than you do. No other person or group of persons owns your life, nor do you own the lives of others. You exist in time, future, present, and past. This is manifest in life, liberty, and the product of your life and liberty. To lose your life is to lose your future. To lose your liberty is to lose your present, and to lose the product of life and liberty is to lose that portion of your past that produced it. Product of your life and liberty is your property. Property is a fruit of your labor, a product of your time, energy, and talent. Property is that part of nature which you turn to valuable use. Property is the property of others that is given to you by voluntary exchange and mutual consent. That right there is a violation of Democrat. Two people that exchange property voluntarily are both better off or they wouldn't do it. Only they may rightfully make that decision for themselves. At times, some people used force or fraud to take from others without voluntary consent. The initiation of force and fraud to take life is murder. To take liberty is slavery, and to take property is theft. It's the same whether these actions are done by one person acting alone or by the many acting against the few. You have the right to protect your own life, liberty, and just acquired property from the forceful aggression of others, and you may ask others to help defend you, but you do not have the right to initiate force against the life, liberty, and property of others. You have no right to designate some person to initiate force against others on your behalf. Sounds like the government, doesn't it? You have the right to seek leaders by yourself, but you have no right to impose rulers onto others no matter how officials are selected. They are only human beings and they have no rights or claims that are higher than those of any other human beings, regardless of the imaginative labels for their behavior, of the numbers of people encourage them. Officials have no right to murder, to enslave, or to steal. Since you own your life, you are responsible for your life. You do not rent your life from others who demand your obedience, nor are you a slave to others who demand you sacrifice. You choose your own goals based on your own values. Success and failures are both the necessary incentives to learn and to grow. Your action on behalf of others or their action on behalf of you is virtuous only when it is derived from voluntary mutual consent. 
For virtue can exist only where there is free choice. This is the basis of a truly free society. It is not only the most practical and humanitarian foundation for human action, it is the most ethical. Problems in the world that arise from the initiation of force by government is not a solution. The solution is for people of the earth to stop asking government officials to initiate force on their behalf. Evil does not arise not only from evil people, but also from good people who tolerate the initiation of force as a means to their own ends. In this manner, good people have empowered evil people throughout history. Having confidence in a free society is to focus on the process of discovery in the marketplace of values rather than to focus on some imposed vision or goal using government force to impose a vision on others. This is intellectual sloth and typically results in unintended perverse consequences. Achieving a free society requires courage to think, to talk, and to act, especially when it's easier to do nothing. A lot of words to make it down to a simple point. Stay fair and don't violate your own personal integrity. And unfortunately, that's not what we're bred to be. The public school has destroyed 100% the whole concept of all of this stuff. All right, now we've got to get into the category of Islamicide. This is just a quick little warning. You know all of these so-called Afghan refugees that we've been moving into the United States? Well, there's one location, and this is just this location. All of them are happening the same thing. There's about 60,000 of these so-called refugees there. Hundreds of them have been flagged as terrorists. Well, these people aren't arrested, so you know what they're doing is they're walking off the base. They're making phone calls to Ahmed, their friend in San Jose, and he's coming and picking them up, and they're leaving. There's nothing anybody can do about it. So we're being, not only have we been invaded by criminal aliens from Mexico and also by um, Muslims from all facets of the world, but now we brought in on purpose almost 100,000 Muslims who live in the dirt in Afghanistan and now are in this country. We have the enemy not only at our gates, but behind them where we live. And speaking of the criminal aliens, Texas has already brought in about 60,000 criminal aliens from Haiti. These these are the scum of that country. These are the worst there are. And uh, and Biden just has decided that they should all come in here free. And they are. They've already brought about 60,000 of them in. And I can tell you right now, there's a, a count of 80,000 more waiting waiting south of Mexico to come in. And the person that's heading, this is being funded by George Soros. How do you think all of these thousands and thousands and thousands of people can get food, water, and places to sleep, and clothing, and any kind of medical aid? <clears throat> they're being funded by George Soros and the Democrats. They're bringing them in here. Why? Well, because they're, they're going to be Democrat voters. That's why. They have to destroy the United States, and this is how they're doing it. So there's this 80,000 plus, because they're not done putting them together yet, are headed by a person who has already warned the United States that if you try and stop us, we will go to war against you. You get that? They're threatening us. I've had many conversations with people who have said, what is it going to take to start this revolution? What's the catalyst going to be? I don't know. Could it be this, that we've been invaded within the past three months by well over a quarter million anti-American Mexicans and Haitians 
and Muslims? Is that, that, would that be the catalyst? Probably not. I mean, look at the state of Idaho. state of Idaho has a city, Twin Falls, that has a Muslim who employs only Muslims in it to make yogurt that is sold at Costco. And these Muslims in, in, in uh, Twin Falls, three of them raped a five-year-old girl. Of course, they, it's okay because they were only 10, 11, and 12 years old at the time. So This is what we have to look forward to. I don't appreciate it. What about you? What are they trying to do? That's the missing piece. But it's not hard to imagine. Driven not only by corporate greed, but a darker objective. The takeover of America. And then the world itself, by any means necessary, however violent, or cruel, or efficient. By severe drought, brought on by weather wars, conducted secretly using aerial contaminants and high-altitude electromagnetic waves. In a state of perpetual war. To create problem, reaction, solution scenarios to distract, enrage, and enslave American citizens at home. With tools like the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act, which abridge the Constitution in the name of national security. The militarization of police forces in cities across the U.S. The building of prison camps by the Federal Emergency Management Agency with no stated purpose. The corporate takeover of food and agriculture, pharmaceuticals and healthcare, even the military in clandestine agendas to fatten, dull, sicken, and control a populace already consumed by consumerism. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. A government that taps your phone, collects your data, and monitors your whereabouts with impunity. A government preparing to use that data against you when it strikes and the final takeover begins. The takeover of America. By a well-oiled and well-armed multinational group of elites that will cull, kill, and subjugate. It's almost as if they were uh, talking about the United States federal government, isn't it? So, they've come up with a new idea how people don't have to worry about uh, getting tickets and showing them at, at NFL games, in fact, soccer games. And there's a bunch of different places they're testing this on. And when I say testing, I mean people are stupid, and they'll go ahead and go for it. And the more people that go for it, the larger reason they have to say, look, everybody else is doing it, why don't you do it? Biometric ticketing. And it's going to be uh, any National Football League game or soccer stadiums. In other words, they want pictures of you. They want your face. And that way, they can tell who's coming and going from the uh, from the game. I got an article on this. You're going to have to go read it. Biometric ticketing reaches NFL deployed to a new soccer stadium. Biometricupdate.com. It's desensitizing. This is the whole intent of this thing. Now, the, the, uh, the bad people out here, the evil, nasty, rude, threatening American citizens... Well, we call them parents, uh, are threatening, threatening teachers and school boards. You know something? I went in the store one time, and as I was as I was getting in the checkout line, lane and it got to the uh, checkout, the teller there, and I'm checking something out, and it said in the back it was $1.99, this one item, and it rang up at two fifty. And I said, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is, this is $1.99. She goes, don't threaten me. And I'm like, what? You're threatening me. You have a threatening manner about yourself. So, threatening seems to be in the mind of the person who has basically committed an atrocious act and doesn't like the response from the person that's talking to him. So, I was threatening. So, these parents who are tired of these communists teaching nasty, evil things to their children, well, dimwits, um, Department of Justice is going to start investigating them. Now, these, these uh, parents, they're not 
like you know 20 or 30 here we're talking groups over 400,000 400,000 we'll see where that goes now i get i get briefings all day long from different agencies within uh, the department of justice and the uh, department of homeland security uh, every agency you can dream of the epa the fda well i got this briefing and I'm reading it, and I'm saying to myself, you know what? Everybody has to take a look at this because this is not what it seems. The Department of Homeland Security is helping us. See, now, he's, he's, these, these people are communists. They're led by a brain-dead communist. Here, I'll read the article. This is on their website, dhs.gov. Department of Homeland Security Climate Action Plan to address the impacts of climate change and ensure the department's climate resilience. What? <laughs> well, to put it in English, let me read a statement from the secretary. Our world, nation, and department are facing a climate crisis. We are already experiencing the adverse impacts from sea level rise, extreme heat, flooding, and drought to changes in migration patterns and harmful effects on workforce health. These impacts are likely to become more severe in the decades to come. Our department must harness our capabilities and resources to address the impacts of climate change to keep our communities safe. Now, <clears throat> it'll be here so you can read it. All right? I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's gross. It is pure communism. In other words, the Department of Homeland Security is going to determine what things you as a citizen can do to change that, to change the uh, climate crisis that we're going through, and then they're going to figure out ways to order it to be done. I can't wait. Hey, did you hear that Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp went down? Well, let me let me tell you something. It, it, yeah, last week it, it went down. It was a big thing. It wasn't lightweight. Uh, you have what's known as a DNS record, and like I have, I have. My website, survivalenterprises.com, se1.us, armchairsurvivalist.com, and a half a dozen more. All of these are hosted on a single server. I have control of that. It has a, a specific DNS record. Only the owner of these, these domains can change that record. Facebook goes down, and the DNS record disappeared. It vanished. It didn't. Uh, it wasn't on the internet. They no longer existed for a short period. I don't remember six or five or six, seven hours, something like that. There were stories from all over the world where millennials were screaming and ranting and throwing their phones down and uh, causing all kinds of problems. There's a lot of conjecture why it went down, but I can tell you this: that our resident comedic personality, who is um, he's specifically doing his job using sarcasm, was very, very well done. He's got something to say about this uh, Facebook going down. Hey, bro, did you see Facebook and Instagram went down all day yesterday? Yeah, my day was catastrophic because of it. Oh my god, what happened? I just like interacted with my life. I even sat out in nature for part of the day. 
It was terrible. Oh, you did that instead of paying attention to the things in your feed that you don't inherently want to pay attention to, but because the algorithms know your psychological shortcomings and take advantage of you, you pay attention to them all day anyway. Exactly. Thank you for understanding. How was your day most ruined by not having the burden of Facebook and Instagram in your life? Yeah, I found it challenging to not have rampant censorship controlling my thoughts to be in line with the narrative that the White House tells Facebook to brainwash us all with. Wait, so were you thinking for myself? Yes. Get out! Thought for yourself? Yeah. Then who'd you have censoring your thoughts? No one. It felt like freedom. Oh my god, that's so dangerous. You know, I thought it would be too, but it wasn't so bad. And then it occurred to me, like, maybe... Every day, we could just do our own thinking. You seriously want to endanger our whole species and have millions of dolphins caught in tuna nets and have sea turtles forget how to swim by us having our own thoughts? No, no, uh, of course not. I, I was just kidding. Oh, good, because I was about to say, you were starting to sound very January 6th-ish. What, are you kidding me? Facebook does our thinking for us better than we can. Based on what they tell us, but like... Didn't any of your own thinking start to occur to you yesterday when Facebook and Instagram went down? If I'm honest, yeah. At one point yesterday, I almost started believing in natural immunity. Really? Yeah, without Facebook and Instagram's fact checkers that they pay offering to redirect me to pharmaceutical sales pitches on the CDC's website, it started to occur to me, maybe our immune systems provide immunity. But then Facebook came back on and the fact checkers corrected my wrong thinking. I don't trust fact checkers. What's that? Oh, I said I don't trust fat chickens. Oh, because it sounded like you said you don't trust fact checkers. I trust fact checkers. All right, then. Did you see with Facebook down for so long that its stock plummeted and Zuckerberg's net worth went down by $7 billion? Yeah, it scared me knowing he'd have less money to do so much good in the world with by controlling every aspect of people's lives. And did you hear that one and a half billion Facebook users have their personal data leaked out and now it's being sold by hackers? I feel bad for Facebook. It's like they've been violated by having all the personal data that they violated us to steal stolen from them. Poor guys. What do you think the solution is to this moving forward? I think Facebook and platforms like it need to be even more centralized. What? Yeah, like we should be keeping all people's personal information on one centralized server system instead of allowing them to be the sole custodian of their own information. Because that way next time everybody can have their personal data stolen. But it's kind of like everybody already had their personal data stolen by Facebook. Yeah, but it's nice to have it stolen twice. Facebook steals it from you, and then someone steals it from them. Gets you more involved in the exciting world of big tech monopolies. Sounds like a good equal outcome. Yes. Did you hear why Facebook went down? There's a lot of different stories out there, but one theory is that Facebook had a large portion of its routing code deleted by hackers. So there is speculation for a while that not only is Facebook down, but Facebook's gone. <laughs> Yeah, thank God it's not gone forever, because for a while there I was feeling optimistic about a bright future for humanity. Gross. Then another theory is that Facebook did a self-takedown after the Facebook whistleblower was on 60 Minutes the night before, revealing that Facebook puts profits above the good of people. As it was revealed that Facebook failed to act on knowledge that their algorithms cause hate. That's it. I wasn't filled with hate while Facebook was down. I was filled with peace 
I hated it. Another theory is that the whistleblower on 60 Minutes was just a plant. A strategy on the media's part to manipulate and lie to the... Wait a minute. The media wouldn't manipulate or lie to anyone? Sure they would. Like, the lab leak theory was... Hey, the lab leak theory has been disproven. It's not possible that the virus came from a lab. Well, did you know now the media is saying that it could have come from a lab? Of course it came from a lab. I mean, it's just a very sensible probability. So my point is, the media could be pushing the Facebook whistleblower story to justify the FTC pressuring Facebook to suppress conservative voices even more. You know, like the whistleblower said, Facebook is dangerous because it doesn't spy on, censor, and ban people enough. Huh. I thought those were the only services Facebook provides. Yeah, well, in this possibility scenario, this would be Facebook's way of helping the radical left silence their political opposition even more, preventing them from having any public discourse. I would love that. You would? Yeah, I think Facebook should have the right to shut down all speech that I don't agree with. What if they were to shut down speech that you agree with? Well, they're not. But if they were to? It's hard for me to imagine, because right now I agree with everything they're censoring. Therefore, my intense emotional charge of righteousness hijacks the part of my brain that would make it possible for me to imagine the likely scenario of them eventually censoring speech that is important to me. So... They would never do that. Seems like you've really thought this through. Not at all. I heard another theory about Facebook's outage. I'm all the pronouns. The outage came on the very day that Project Veritas and James O'Keefe dropped a bombshell video revealing that a Pfizer scientist had knowledge that natural immunity is... Let me stop you right there. I thought we established there's no such thing as natural immunity. Well, maybe. But then Facebook comes back up, so the video can eventually go out, and then James O'Keefe receives a warning from Facebook that his page is on the verge of being banned if there's any more violations. Violations for real journalism? Yeah, I thought we banned journalism in this country. Yeah, there's not much of it left. Well, I gotta go back home now and get on Facebook and enjoy the free service they offer while they sell my time, attention, data, and emotion reactivity, which causes engagement, which makes me the product they sell to earn them billions of dollars. I got a little thing here. I've been noticing this, and I got an article on it, and it flashed me back to 1983. In 1983, NASA wrote an article talking about, uh, they were talking to the Washington Post, okay? And they wrote this article about a heavenly body possibly as large as the giant planet Jupiter and possibly so close to Earth that it would be part of this solar system has been found in the direction of the constellation Orion, and it was found by an orbiting telescope. You get that? That's what started the whole thing about Nibiru, Planet 12, Planet 9, whatever. There's many different uh, words for this thing. This is a, a theoretical planetoid that was mentioned in 1983, and then it disappeared. The sound, nobody talked about it after that at all. Now, I've done a lot of research on Nibiru, and then all of a sudden, here's this article that pops up, not too long ago. It's, uh, it's vice.com. Objects at the solar system's edge are being influenced by something mysterious. And they were talking about present time. They were talking about this. Objects at our solar system's edge are being influenced by something mysterious. See, you can, you can evaluate and extrapolate the way that planetoids, asteroids, meteorites, just junk, space junk, moves using the mathematical formulation for gravity and effects on animate or inanimate objects. So 
you know how things are going to move within the solar system because you have Jupiter and you have Earth and you have Mars and you have Venus and they're affecting all of this stuff. And so as it moves, you can tell, you know, you can predict how it's going to move. Well, there's stuff at the edge of our solar system, just just junks, junk stuff, okay, that's moving as if there is a large something or other with a giant gravitational force affecting them. Just something to think about. Just popped up. This is not a big thing, I presume. Because again, it was, uh, we, I read about it in 1983. And now it's popping out again. I don't know what this is all going to mean, but it's going to be here for you guys. You go to the website, armchairsurvivalist.com, go to show notes, and you'll get the idea of it. All right, now we're going to talk. We're going to talk about non-electric heat, and I'm going to tell you, it's, it's necessary. A lot of you, probably most of you, you heat your house with electricity. What happens if electricity goes out? What are you going to do? So we're going to talk about that today. The first thing I want to cover in this is the fact you guys got to remember to clean your equipment and make sure it works before you start using it. Usually, and I don't care what it is, it could be your fireplace, it could be uh, a a gas log, it could be a propane uh, burner, it could be a kerosene heater, it could be all kinds of different things. When you're done with them, please clean them and make sure they're safe. Now, I'll tell you this because I screwed up. I used my generator two years ago. And when I put it away, I forgot to turn the gas off. Not that it leaked out. It's just that it kept gas. It kept the bowl full, the carburetor bowl full. So the ethanol solidified. I ended up having to rebuild my generator, as I told you last show. Keep your stuff clean. Okay? Now, this is non-electric heating. Some of it's common sense. Like a fire. Light a piece of wood. Oh, look, it gets warm. Fireplaces work really good. Unfortunately, they're not cost-effective, and they're also not very um, eco. Unless you put in a sealed log stove, then you can uh, just put your logs inside. You can control the fluid. You can control uh, the uh, amount of air that goes into it. You know what I mean. So a fireplace itself is like the the bottom-of-the-line type of heating thing. And I grew up on a reservation where that's what I did. I learned how to bank a fire. I learned how to start a fire uh, in the fireplace. And this fireplace was like three feet wide. Three and a half feet wide, about two feet tall, and about three feet deep. And yeah, it heated the house. The house was only 900 square feet. And most of the heat went right straight up the chimney, and that's a waste of time. And I would end up having to, when I went to bed at 9 o'clock, I'd, I'd bank the fire. And then when I, I'd get up again about 2 a.m., and I'd have to relight the fire and keep it burning for, for the breakfast time. There's a lot to it. It's a lot of work. A fireplace is what's called unidirectional, meaning it goes in one direction. The heat goes in only one way. It goes out, okay? Now, last show I talked about insulating your house. And in the old days, old days, <laughs> thousands of years ago in stone buildings, they would hang tapestries on the walls as insulation. And they would put carpets on the floor as insulation. They did, they had no clue about insulating and keeping your, your place warm. Fireplaces in some of these old castles were 10 feet wide and 6 feet tall. I mean, they were monstrous. They would they could burn a whole log in there. And they would uh, do so, and that would work really well for the front of the castle. <laughs> then you have unidirectional heaters. Now, we're not just talking about wood. There's many different ways to heat. There's catalytic heaters. You might have seen these. These are They, they have a plate on the front of them. 
And this plate is looks uh, kind of like fabric, or it, it could look like um, honeycomb. And that doesn't really burn, but what happens is it heats up, and you can see it when you use it. Infrared heaters, propane heaters, and they have exposed flame, uh, ceramics. They've got all kinds of different stuff. And there's forced air. There's a there's a gizmo that I have at home, and and I like it. It's it's a it looks like a they call it a bullet heater. It's a tube. It's about three feet in, uh, long and about a foot in diameter, and it sits on top of a tank. And this tank is a fuel tank, and it will use kerosene. It will use diesel fuel. It'll use any oil based, including perfume. And it's and it has a fan on it, so it's a blower motor. This unfortunately works only when you have electricity. But what we're talking about here is heaters that don't need electricity. There's various kinds. Uh, the uh, There's kinds that run on kerosene. There's kinds that run on propane. And uh, unfortunately, I have a wife who's super sensitive to any smell. So if I was to heat the house with kerosene, all I would hear is her bitching all night long. It smells bad. So uh, that's where propane comes in handy. Propane doesn't have a smell. Now, we're going to back up and give you some information that, I hate to say this, but too many people don't have. When you're heating your an area, when you're heating a van, when you're heating a tent, when you're heating a cabin, a motorhome, a house, with anything that lights, anything, and that includes a wood stove, you have to have oxygen coming in to replace the oxygen that's burning. I uh, refused to sell our house one time to a couple who who uh, had no clue what why that was important to have a window open whenever you had an open fire in the house. So you have to make sure of that. These are safety things. Otherwise, I read about you in a paper. Family of four died from asphyxiation because they were not smart enough to open a damn window. No, you, you don't want that at all. Now, the, you can buy kerosene heaters. And these work on a wick. In Japan, these are famous. In fact, that's what most most of the houses in Japan have. They not only heat with a kerosene heater, and these kerosene heaters are usually about two and a half, three feet tall and about a foot and a half in diameter. And you uh, you raise up the top a little bit and you have a round, hollow wick. It's like a tube. And you use that to light. And then the thing gets hot. And it will heat in a radiant manner. It'll heat up the whole house. And in Japan, there's some of them that you take the top off of it, and there's a grill there, and you actually cook on it. I have one of those in my storage in case I ever need it. Kerosene heaters work great. Again, they're wicks. They're like this: the wick in a, uh, a kerosene lantern. If you use the wrong kerosene, it'll harden up. So when you're using kerosene in wick units, whether they're heaters or lanterns, Always use clear. Don't let them lie to you and say, oh, it's red, but that means clear. No. Red is a dye. Only use clear kerosene when heating. You don't want any chemicals in it to burn off and to uh, toxify the atmosphere in your house. So remember that. The key behind heating, never never mind what type of heat you use, in an emergency situation, the key is condense the spaces that you want to heat. Let's say there's three people in your family. Electricity goes out. Uh, natural gas goes out. You have no way to heat your house. But you've got a propane heater. 
So you don't want to heat up your whole house. So what you do is you hang blankets like to block a, 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 a hallway. You want to insulate the, the uh, how, part of the house where you're not going to be heating. If you're going to be spending your time in the big front room, all of you will throw some sleeping bags out there and that's where you're going to stay because you don't want to heat up the whole house. Then you make sure somehow the rest of the house is insulated from the heating area. You would hang blankets in the hallway that hang to the floor to, to, so that the back of the house is not being heated. You make sure you close all the doors in the house of the rooms that aren't being heated. And you make damn sure you have a window open in the area that's not blanketed off for exchange of oxygen. And the blanket thing, I've done that. I have, I have been in a, uh, in a cabin and we used uh, moving quilts and we nailed them to the walls. It worked damn good. And the other thing is you make sure you keep your flam- anything that can burn, flammables, away from whatever kind of heater you're using. So real quickly, kerosene heaters. You can find them at Lowe's and Home Depot and Craigslist and eBay and, and the like. They can go anywhere. Their, he- their source is liquid kerosene, which you have to refill. But those heaters, the kerosene heaters, will usually give you about 12 hours out of a load of kerosene. So it just, and it just depends on the size of the thing. I have kerosene heaters that are only about six inches in diameter and about two feet high. So those are excellent for all different, all kinds of areas. I use one in the shop. I use, I've used one in the house and they work phenomenal. There's two types of kerosene heaters. There's a unidirectional, which means in one direction. This is usually a rectangle. It's square or rectangle and, uh, it has an opening in the front and the back is covered. So you have your burner that only uh, pushes out heat towards the front. And this is good if you need to put this against a wall or in a corner or something. Then they have the omnidirectional, which is the round one. And that puts out heat in a 360 degree pattern. They work good. They're very limited. They do have a smell to them, but they're, uh, they're easy to use. Now, the other one that I would recommend would be the a propane heater. You can go to Home Depot or Lowe's, and I'm going to have links. You go to armchairsurvivalist.com and look up show notes. I'm going to have links to different types of heaters, how different types of heaters work, where you can find them, and all that good stuff. The propane are the easiest ones to use. Now, here's the thing. Kerosene can go bad after, oh, I don't know, 20 years in storage if you don't store it right. And kerosene needs to be stored with a stabilizer liquid in it. But propane will store 100 years. As long as it doesn't leak out of the tank, it's, it's going to be good. So that's the plus point. You can buy 100 different styles of propane heaters. The ones I like are the quick connect ones like that go right on top of the tank. And you can use a simple tank like a barbecue tank or a 30-pound tank or a 100-pound tank. I mean, you, they got all different sizes. But these heaters, picture an L with a big round thing at the top of the L and, a, and at the bottom of the L where it 90-degree turns is the screw-in part. You screw that right into the tank and you can light this thing at the top. Propane gets hot uh, and and emanates out from that and you can get a single one dual triple there's many different ones these are the these are the simplest things to use you just tighten them on and light them and they put out heat different ones put out more heat they're very safe as long as you aren't an idiot 
keep flammables away from it. Remember, heat rises. Don't sit it next to a curtain. Again, this is a life. This is, you know, I guess this is how uh, life calls out the uh, morons. It gives them a match and says, go stand over there next to the hay. Now, just pay attention, please. I, I don't like reading stories about people who do stupid stuff that end up hurting themselves or somebody else or burning down their whole house. Propane is very, very simple. There's also propane heaters that are square that mount on a wall. They're called blue flame, and they can they they burn very cleanly. They're, and they're called blue flame. You just remember that word, and I'll have some links to them. They can be used in RVs, even though it's an open flame. They can be used in RVs. They can be used in cabins. They can be used anywhere that you need a heater. And there's different BTUs. It all depends. There's everything from a 2,000 to 30,000 BTU blue flame heater. It literally looks like a normal heater. You know, it's got a little flame bar across it. Then they have the catalytic style. These are the ones that look like just a simple weird plate in front of it. It could look like a honeycomb. It could look like a a compressed piece of fabric board or something. And if you light it, you notice there's no flame, but it glows. Okay, those are the safest heaters, and they're very expensive. Uh, Camco sells what's called a waveform, and they have waveform three, six, or eight, and they'll do a thousand square up to a thousand square feet. I've seen them; they'll heat up everything. Propane; uh, those kind of heaters use very little propane, and they'll last a long, long, long time. There's also what they call cabinets. Picture a roll-around cabinet, about three feet high, two feet wide, a foot deep, or maybe a foot and a half deep. And you have the catalytic burner on the outside, on the front, and there's wheels on it. And you take a five-pound barbecue canister and stick it inside. Now, it's not light. It's heavy. But you can roll this thing around all over the place, and it's all self-contained. You light it, and there's the heater right there, and the propane's right behind it. It's really a cool thing. My wife bought me one of those for Christmas one year. Every once in a while, she goes, what does he not need but he would think is cool? And she goes and buys it. And that was one of them. To sum up all of this stuff, you have to use common sense. But I don't want you to freeze. It's smart to have some of this stuff in preparation. I have a half a dozen kerosene heaters, various different kinds. I have a half a dozen of the propane radiant burner. And I don't remember the name of these things, but they're very, very simple. Very simple. You can find them anywhere. Yard sales. Let me tell you, that's where I get some of my hellacious deals on this stuff. Looking to save money, I would wait to the end of the season and then go to Home Depot or Lowe's or hardware stores or the like, and you will usually see them blowing these things off. There is this real high-quality kerosene heater. It's round, it's tall, it's very well-known. Lowe's was uh, closing them out. These things sell for $175. They closed them, closed them out for 50 bucks. I bought four of them. I gave a couple of them to a friend of mine, but someday I might use them. Who knows? I don't, I'm not going to, they're new, so I'm not even taking them out of the box. I got so many of the other ones I don't need to. It's a smart idea. If you're going to use kerosene, get extra wicks. Just a couple of them. One wick will last you 10 years if you're careful with it. At the end of the season, trim your wick. I don't know, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember. (laughs) Trim the damn wick. See, if you don't trim the wick, it won't burn evenly. So one part of it's going to get hotter and the other part's going to get cooler. Now, the round wick, literally, you got to raise it up. After it's done burning, you raise it You raise it up, and there's little controls on the side to crank it up. And you just take a sharp pair of scissors and trim the wick around and make sure it's, uh, it's even. It's that simple. And it'll burn even at that point also. So have numerous, numerous types of heating capability. And the smart thing to do is to have a small propane tank with one of those burners right on it 
and have it somewhere right outside your back door or in the shed or in your garage where you can get to it instantly if the heat goes out. You do not want to be running around digging through your shed at uh, at uh, 1 in the morning when the power goes out and there's no heat whatsoever. You want it right where you can grab it. And teach everybody, teach everybody that this thing gets hot. There are unfortunately people that are becoming so stupid now that they will actually reach over to something glowing red hot and go, is that hot? And they'll touch it. I've seen it. Common sense is gone. So you have to protect people from themselves. And these create heat. Heat rises. Again, don't put it near any flammable objects. And a wall can be flammable. Curtains can be flammable. Carpet can be flammable. If I was going to put it in my house, I would set it on something. I'd have a piece of plywood and set it on it. Or a piece of tile and set it on it. Or a piece of steel or set and set it on it. Just use common sense. Again and again and again and again, I'm going to say the same thing. Use common sense. There's much more to this. I'm going to have more links that you can go to and, and uh, find out all this stuff yourself. The propane is easy to do. You can buy all the different tanks that, that you want. Now, unfortunately, with the supply chain crashing, good luck finding spare tanks. And I'll tell you right now, if you think you need something, you better get your butt up right now and get it because it's not going to be there tomorrow. I've had people coming in and saying, you sent me over to the store to get some 100-pound propane tanks. They said they haven't had any in six months. Well, get on the ball now. Make sure you get what you need as soon as you can. So uh, I'll have the links up as quickly as I can on this show. Uh, Unfortunately, it usually takes me half a week or so or sometimes longer to get them up. But remember, we have the Mountain House food. We have it in stock. I don't have to wait for it. It's in stock. Uh, You're going to have to call us, 800-753-1981, 800-753-1981, survivalenterprises.com, se1.us. I'll have the link on uh, ivermectin paste and the rest of the stuff up. This is Armchair Survivalist signing off. Keep your nose in the air and your ear to the ground. Don't believe a damn thing they're telling you because it's all lies. Just believe what you know yourself. I'll see you next time.